I think I'm going to change my name to Upgrade, actually. Yeah. Legally? Yeah. Why not, dude? Legally? Okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the courthouse, cost. and I'm going to change my name to Upgrade, and yeah, it's going to be good. I don't even know what it costs to change your name. Or maybe I should change my name to Hector Camacho. That might be a better one. You got to get all the middle names in there. <laughs> Mountain Dew is one of them. Mountain Dew is one of them. I don't remember the rest. Uh, I need to know now. Hector Camacho. Hector. Uh, oh, man. Oh, there's an actual Hector Camacho. Well, that's interesting that I didn't. Hector Camacho uh idiocracy then. Yeah, we're looking for like the Is it is it, it yeah. Uh oh wait, it's not is it it's not Hector Camacho, is it? I don't know. Oh no, I don't know anything anymore. I don't know why maybe Maybe you just remember the wrong guy. I just remember Camacho. It's just President Camacho. Maybe I actually knew had heard of Hector Camacho at some point in my past and just put it in there. Uh apparently. Uh-oh. That's what it was. Uh-oh. It was President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. Yep. Which that's the one. I think nothing bad will happen if I change my YouTube name to that. No, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> it's a good name. Yeah, I guess I must have heard of Hector Camacho. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, when I was a kid, my dad bought this really crappy boxing game for our PlayStation 1. It was like it was HBO boxing or something like that. It was like not a good boxing game because the good one was Fight Night, you know, and uh, and Rated Rumble. Those was the good ones. And then like Punch Out, but Punch Out's on the NES. Yeah. But HBO boxing was not good. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know about what's good and what's not good. You don't care. Yeah, you just play everything. Like exactly. Like and see. Great game. That actually kind of makes me sad. Because now we're just like, oh, shouldn't I play that game? It now only we're like has cynical an, and judgmental eight, about everything. You only got an 8.25 on IGN. Yeah. Maybe that's not worth my time. The wonder. I only play the equivalent of caviar in my video games. It must be of the utmost quality. Where is the wonder? Yeah, I know, man. And actually, you know what? My favorite PS2 games, uh, Crash Twin Sanity, number one gets pooed on by all the Crash purists. Yeah. Because they're like, Naughty Dog didn't make that. I don't want to play that, but I think Twin Sanity is actually really fun, and it may possibly be one of my favorite ones. I don't know. Like, that one of Warped, I would put probably on equal footing. I love Warped. And I love the first one. I love the second one. Uh, I didn't play as much of the second one when I was a kid. I, I think I did beat it, but I didn't play it as many times. But I played the first one a ton of times, played Warped a ton of times. Warped is better. And then, I don't know, Twin Sanity is just like, it's funny, and it's different. But it, I think it retains the spirit mm-hmm. that is quintessentially. Yeah, I never played crash. that one. It's good. You should play it. Didn't have the right systems. That's Thomas's recommendation for this week. Play Crash Twin Sanity for the PS2. Boom. Hmm. Is yeah. It like remade on anything? Uh, no. But oh, I do okay. own it. So I mean, okay. if you wanted to play it, you could. Yeah, I doubt they're ever going to remake that because I mean, Traveler's Tales made it. It wasn't a Naughty Dog one. They are, and you probably know this, they are remaking and re-releasing oh, yeah, the original like Crash Trilogy. Trilogy. I'm excited. I'll just re- mispronounce that. Uh, and it's coming out on PS4. Yeah. yeah. And I understand it's a Sony exclusive, but I almost wish that was coming out of the Switch. Yeah. Because that would be awesome. That would be. Like, the whole is being able to take it and go play it wherever you want is a pretty sweet idea, and uh, I'm into it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Pretty excited. But Yeah. Dwayne, Mountain Dew, Elizondo, Camacho, whatever. New name. Sounds good to me. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so we got questions, as always. I mean, we always have questions. Yep. There's questions coming in right yeah. now. Every single second, a new question. But that's good, I think. And uh, so last week, we did a lot of stuff that was career-related. And I think we have one career sort of related question this week, but actually this week we're kind of stepping into some more general stuff that's aimed at learning and skill development. So I'm liking the juxtaposition. Ooh. You know, we can't turn it into a career podcast. Yeah. I feel like you're just a little bit proud of me every time I say juxtaposition. Oh, yeah. Fancy words. It's a good fancy word. It's a good word. You yeah, that's a big points. word. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like somebody's been on the dictionary. Yeah. So let's just jump into it real quick and uh, get into this first question. And uh, that question is, when I learn new things from you or from somewhere else that are aimed at making me better, I fear that if I implement them, my friends will either make fun of me or they'll do the same things themselves and then get better than me. So should I hide the things I'm doing from my friends? It's an interesting mm. question. That is a very interesting question. Yeah. I will say that sometimes I don't tell my friends about some cool things I'm doing, but mostly because I change what I'm doing a lot mm -hmm. and I don't feel like explaining everything and a lot of it's relevant to skills they don't care about. It's not like yeah. intentionally you can't know about this. I got to say, ever since I have been in like middle school, I've been and I think it's less with you guys, though, still to a certain degree. I've always been that kid that was doing stuff to improve myself and I had the friends who would make fun of me for it. Like that has always happened. Yeah. I was a kid who would eat salad bar at lunch in high school because it was healthier. And then my friends would make fun of me. Like they would literally make fun of me for eating healthy food while they were getting Papa John's pizza and grandma's cookies for lunch. And that seems like utterly ridiculous now that I think about it. Yeah. And I'm sure they would 100% regret that and be like, I'm, I'm jealous that you could eat that. But yeah, when we were in high school, I mean, when you're in high school, you can eat literally whatever you want and not get sick or whatever, you know? Well, Mountain Dew and Doritos and Halo 2 for days, probably, dude. Probably a lot of people. A lot of people, yeah. It's definitely a higher percentage. You know, and I would do all sorts of stuff. Like, even now, like, I'll do, I'll get into new stuff. And like, I think you, you don't make fun of me as much. No, because no, you're like you're doing half the same stuff. Yeah, you're doing half the same stuff. I wouldn't make sense. Are you trying to better <laughs> yourself, you idiot? Yeah, but some of my lazier friends, you know, and I think like a lot of times the people make funny, like when people make fun of you for doing things like that, it's like thinly veiled jealousy that's kind of like been filtered through a guise of just, I don't know, lightheartedness. Like maybe they don't want you to get so much better at stuff that they feel bad. Yeah. Yeah, there's like there's a little bit of like, you know, the uh, you know, the crab that tries to get out of the bucket gets pulled back down kind of thing. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And I think you just like you have to kind of adopt the mindset of like if you are passionate about self-improvement and you really want to do better in life, you're always going to have people who, you know, if not outright try to bring you down in an overt or mean way, they're going to poke fun at you. Yeah. And I think like it comes from a place of jealousy. Like to rebuild their own sense of security, they yeah. have to find some flaw with what you're doing. You know, and it's kind of weird, right? It, like, yeah. like if you think about it like legitimately, it's weird that you have this feeling in your head that like going outside and just like dancing or like going and doing push-ups or something would like make people make fun of you or would be embarrassing. When if you really think about it, like that is objectively better than what most people do 
if they're just like sitting around yeah, playing video games. Weird. Like why do why is it such a culturally accepted thing to go home and watch Netflix or you know go home and play video games all night and everyone's just like super cool with that. But then if you're like, hey, I'm actually a figure skater or I go I do ballet or like something that's like kind of weird. But like if you think about it in an objective sense, it's like totally productive. It's, it makes you healthier, it makes you more skilled, and you're still embarrassed to do it. Yeah. Like what? That's so weird. Embarrassment's weird. The things that yeah. we choose to make embarrassing are very weird. Yeah, exactly. You know. I wonder if there's a pattern, but I don't have time to build a like. So uh, I think like sociological theorem right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's. I think there's just like this this combative mindset you have to adopt to deal with that. Like you just have to not give a crap. Yeah. And I'm using a different word than what I would like to use now because I have a younger audience. Um, but go read Mark Manson's latest book if you want to get more oh, into that. I enjoyed that book. Did you read it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, I just I've seen it. I haven't read it myself. I, but it. I like his writing. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's also a a video on the Charisma on Command channel with Tyler Durden's face on it. That might be a good one to look at as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. You know, it's all just about not caring what other people think. When it comes to things you know are going to better yourself. Yeah. You just have to adopt that. You just have to tell yourself, like, this is something I care about. And if my friends are not going to support it, they're going to make fun of me. So what? You know? Yeah. And maybe I need to start spending some time with other people who will support me and who do also have a self-improvement mindset about them. Uh, And, you know, this actually brings up something I hear all the time. And I actually heard this at StyleCon. Somebody said this quote, like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily like the way that this quote is often applied because I think a lot of people apply it in a way where it's like, Hey, you should ditch your friends and go only hang out with people who are going to better you. You know, I think we talked about this in an yeah. episode a yeah, while ago where it was like, you know, should, this. should I ditch my friends if they're lazy or whatever? And it's like, no, just, just be actively taking some of your time and dedicating it to building relationships with more productive people. Like, you know, I flew down to Georgia just last weekend and hung out with a ton of productive people who are all like, you know, eyes on self-improvement. They're on the ball kind of thing. But that doesn't mean I have to stop hanging out with my friends who are just a little bit more chill. Yeah, just want to do their job, play play some some games. games. Absolutely. You know what? I'm not going to be constantly pushing them to be like me because that is not their nature. But I'm going to make sure that I do spend some of my time hanging out with people who do share my nature. And to the other question here, you know, I'm afraid that they're going to do better than me. That's good. I think that would pressure me to work 10 times harder so that yeah. if I felt competitive like that with a friend, like if you started learning Spanish and started catching up, I'd probably triple my Spanish output just yeah. just to like maintain the crown or so to speak. Absolutely. You know? Like competition is is very good in some instances, unless you let them get so far ahead that it just crushes you and then you don't want to do anything. But don't let that happen. And then it can just push you ever so gently. Yeah. I know other people don't share this mindset with me. Like our friend Clyde got really good at Marvel versus Capcom three. And then we started playing it and we started getting good. And instead of practicing to maintain the crown, he quit. And you know what? I've been salty about that ever since because yep. the moment I got good yeah, enough yeah. to beat him, he quit. He's like, the kid is like, Oh, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. But seriously, yeah. you know, speaking of Clyde, he was talking about like, Hey, I think I'm going to go get a personal trainer and start lifting. And you know what that did to my mindset? Uh oh, I'm going to the gym. What are you doing? You know, you I mean, I already go to the gym pretty often, but I'm like, um, I think I'm going to go to the gym a little bit more because 
I ain't losing my lead. If you want to be able to you know? stand tall next to your friends and you're exactly. competitive with them, then that should just push you. And it's not even about being number one. No. Even if you're not number one in something, you're, you're probably number one in something amongst your friends. But if you are letting their drive to get better in something drive you, even if you don't happen to be the best, you're going to be better than you would have been if you were just doing it alone. Well, if you hang out with people that are better than you at something, yeah. you're going to grow way faster than if you hang out only with people that you're better than in that subject. Absolutely. Hanging out with Antonio from Real Men Real Style and Aaron from Alpha M, like they have way bigger YouTube channels than me, and it is likely I won't pass them up. Now, I do have a little bit of competition, you know, minded stuff in my head. It's like maybe I will someday and I'm going to work. But hanging out with them and seeing how like they can get a video cranked out like every few days, that motivates me to be more consistent with my videos and maybe my videos don't get as many views but they're going to get more views because i am now in a better state of mind because i have people who are pushing me to do better yeah so even if i don't beat them i beat myself you weren't like hanging out with these people like oh i i'm just i'm worthless guys i don't have yeah. as many views as you what are yeah. you gonna do about absolutely that? You're, you know you're still able to talk to them and they didn't like make fun of you and just think that you suck. I assume I wasn't there. Yeah. But it's not that big of a deal if the people around you are a little better, as long as you're improving. Iron sharpens iron, man. But only when Ooh, those two pieces of iron wise. actually hit each other. Is that from They're, something? Well, sounds, iron sounds sharpens wise. iron is like a, is a saying I've that's never been around it. for a long time. I've never heard it. Yeah, but I mean, how, how do you sharpen a sword or something? You got it. I don't know. I don't have one. Well, if you, if you want to sharpen a knife, you get your little knife sharpener thing, and then you sharpen the blade. I've never sharpened Or you a knife. go crazy, and you buy that crazy Russian knife sharpening kit for 150 bucks that I kind of want. You just throw your knife away and buy a new one. No. No. Oh. No. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No, I've sharpened this guy like 10 times now. You know? Still works perfectly. Did you need to, or do you just like sharpening it? I did need to. Oh, okay. Even opening mail with this thing will dull it over time. Interesting. You know? And like, I'll open like, you know, I'll, like mail will get a little gunk on it or like open plastic stuff and I'll have to go put goo gone on it or something. But yeah, I've sharpened this thing like 10 times and Interesting. it still works just as good as the day I bought well, it. I don't think I'm very in touch with the condition of any knives if I have any in my possession. Oh, yeah. I think Not if you own any knife, you might have own like, oh wait, no, you do own a knife. Oh yeah. Because I have, I have one. you were the lucky recipient of my uh, manly box. It was like a beard growing kit or something. <laughs> uh yeah so i'll just tell the story so we do white elephant for our friends miss party which is like our friend christmas party and uh so my white elephant gift my white elephant gift this year i called it my beard growing kit and i filled a box with like smoky smelling cedar wood chips yeah and then i put like a cormac mccarthy novel in there the guy who wrote no country for old men i put a um a wood handled pocket knife in there yeah, and what like else a, I put in like there? A hatchet. I put, I, put, I put a hatchet in there. I just I just wanted it for the hatchet. Um, a small bottle of really high quality scotch, and then I just yep. was like, I'm gonna throw a cigar in there as well. I don't know if he'll smoke it. <laughs> I think he just gave the cigar yeah, away. I gave that away. But I was like, I'm gonna put a cigar in there. But, <laughs> Why not? But it was a it was a very very traditionally manly kit. It was good. I didn't grow a beard yet. That's not working. Well, you out. do have like a little bit of a goatee going on. Yeah, but that's mostly from laziness rather than results that's true well it's no good maybe my beard growing kit was not intense well, enough i haven't used every piece yet i think i should have put some more stuff in there i haven't even read the book oh i forgot to put like a 
I don't know, porterhouse steak, just raw in there. A raw steak. I that forgot to put some. going to be very, very bad I for forgot whoever to put, <laughs> opens it. <laughs> I forgot to put a straight razor in there. I forgot to put some beard oil in there. I made some glaring omissions. Yeah. I'm going to have to do like better next year. Kit. Yeah, there definitely was a price yeah. limit, so I couldn't put everything I wanted to put in there. <laughs> I had a lot of fun making it. It was great. Anyway, so, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't even know what tangent we got off on to get here. I don't know. But. Something. Competition with friends. Yeah, competition. Do it. Anyway, we're going to go to the next question here. Uh, let's see here. And the next question is really short. How can I promote myself without coming off as bragging? It's a good question. And I think you you might be more sensitive to this than me. Maybe. Well, I do try very much not to be braggy. Yeah. That is a thing. And I'm very cynical about people on the internet. You are very so, cynical about internet people. Yes. And I have turned you into an internet person. Yes. Whoops. My evil plan. Whoops. <laughs> but I try not to be braggy. So I, I yeah, try. Yeah, it's true. I try this. So, so, I mean, do you have any specific examples of like maybe how you share something you've made or how you promote yourself? Maybe like going back to Flying Hippo, how you apply to them. How did you do that without coming off as bragging? Well, you know, for that particular thing. I turned it up a little bit because just just an extra ounce of pride in there is helpful for making me stand out and sound mm -hmm. all cool. But in a normal sense, in an everyday sense, I'm out networking, I'm talking to people. I would say that if you want to bring up a project or some cool skill you have, the conversation actually has to call for it. Don't use some sort of horrible non-segue into a topic just to brag about yourself. Nobody's going to like that. Yeah. It needs to actually fit what they're talking about. And... Also, when you're talking about what you do or what you're good at, keep it in the context of what you're talking about, of the people you're helping, the purpose of the project, or why it relates to them. And then after you've said a couple sentences, maybe try to bounce it back to the other person and yeah. make it more of a conversation. But just an extra thing is imagine you don't do that. Would you rather be the person who you just walk up, you meet this person, you want to network with them, you want to date them, doesn't really matter. Whatever it is, you walk up to them and either A, they say, hey, how's it going? And you say, hey, here's my life story. I'm really into linguistics and I do this and I'm really good at this thing and I've done this and this and this and this and this. And you've taken all the mystery and become really annoying and self-centered in like four yeah, seconds. Yeah, that or, mystery thing is important. Or do you want to say like only what you need, a couple of cool stories when the conversation calls for it and they're, they're just over the course of weeks, they're just like, how many things does this person do? I have no idea. This, they just keep pulling out. You've done that too. What is that? Mm -hmm. You know this language? I didn't know that because you didn't just forcibly word vomit it at me when you met me. The mystery makes you a lot more interesting of a person. And if you word vomit it all out, they're probably not ever going to want to talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about striking a balance there between having enough that there's kind of like a hook to make people interested in yeah. learning more about Why you. Why are they interested if they know, you know? everything? So, I mean, let's just come up with an example. Say I'm at a conference or something and somebody's talking about, maybe they do a presentation on YouTube and I come up and I say, hey, I liked your presentation. I do YouTube as well. That's a hook right there. And then, you know, the, the natural question is they're going to ask like, oh, what do you do on YouTube? And then I can say, well, I make videos that are really scientifically researched and I focus on how to learn more effectively and uh, help college and high school students. Bam, I've said what I do. It's not bragging. It's not super promotional. It's just saying what I do. And they might ask how it's doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's doing really well. It's about 500,000 subscribers at this point. You know, there's ways that you can naturally talk about the things you're doing, but not come off as like 
Yeah. See, bragging about them. If your first response was, yeah, I do YouTube. I've got like 500,000 subscribers. Yeah, Here's, bad way to frame it. Wow, the worst. You just ruined. The, the same information was there, but now they don't want to really talk to you probably. Yeah, you know, and in a more general sense, like if you're doing it online or something, I think the way that you promote yourself without coming up as you're bragging is you don't just promote yourself. Like oh, yeah, you like spend a lot of your media. time sharing other people's work, talking about opinions, being natural, being conversational, and commenting on the things other people do. You know, actually, um, the rules of Reddit.com are a decent analogy here because on Reddit.com, if you look on the Reddit, they say like, you know, if you're going to be self-promotional on Reddit, you should kind of follow a rough like one to ten ratio. Where like only one out of every 10 posts you make is linking to something you made or being self-promotional in some way. You know, that's a pretty nice rule. And I I break that rule to the utmost degree, but that's because I have my own subreddit. So it's a little different. Yeah. Like I use my subreddit for. as a place to post the things I make. But that is how I tried to be in the beginning. You know, actually, one of the ways that my YouTube channel was able to grow you know, I think it contributed in some small way, at least, was I was posting some videos on Reddit. But I was doing it in a studying-focused subreddit, and I spent most of my time answering questions there or just sharing things I knew, and then eventually I would slip in one or two things I made, and, you know? And it eventually built up to the point where people were like, all right, yes, please post what you make every single week. But it didn't start out like that. Yeah, because so they, you they don't want to start out first. Yeah. You got to make a connection. You got to make people... Be interested in you before you be promotional. Flip side of that, though, you know, in the situation where like you're in an interview or you are applying for a job. I know a lot of students are afraid of coming off like they're bragging or they're afraid of coming off too cocky. But what ends up happening is they go in the opposite direction and they end up too timid and they don't sell themselves properly. Ooh. So when you're applying for a job or when you're in an interview, you've already gotten the interview, you know, they accepted your application. You have to go in with the mindset of number one, it is my job to sell myself, to sell my abilities and to sell the reason for why I am the best and most qualified person for this job. You have to adopt the mindset that, yes, I am the most qualified for this person or for this job and I'm going to get this job and you got to go in and you got to communicate it. And that doesn't mean you come in and like, yo. I got 500,000 subscribers and I could blow your YouTube channel up like it's next Monday morning. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. You just make me think of John <laughs> Ralphio, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, daddy-o? Yeah. I could blow your stuff up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, no, you don't be like that, but you do have to confidently say like, yeah, I've been able to grow a YouTube channel to almost 500,000 subscribers in two and a half years. And here's how I did it. Here are some of the things that I think were effective. They're going to ask follow-up questions. And the same thing in your application, same thing on your resume. Yeah, you have same to thing communicate on my personal website. what you can do. The, the love letter side, I mean. That's what I was talking about earlier. You had to be exactly. a little, little more braggy than like I would be in a conversation normally. Because yeah. essentially, the love letter side is like a pre-interview. I want to bring it up real quick here. So, And I, I encourage anybody listening this to this episode to go look at Martin's love letter site that he used to apply for this web development job. You can find that in the show notes, but you can also find it at IWantToFlyWithHippos.com. And so you look at the page here and it's not immediately braggy. Yeah. Like you have kind of like a joke where it's like a little coding joke at the, for the heading. Uh, the first thing is like, Hey, I'm Martin. Here's what I love. I love beautiful code. I love pixel perfect web design and even toad ungulates. So there's a little bit of humor in there. 
Yeah. But also you're like saying, I love beautiful code. I love pixel perfect web design. You're not saying I code amazingly and my websites are pixel perfect. You're framing it in like, this is my value. Yeah. This is what I like. And I'd love to join your team as front end web developer. So you're stating your purpose there. You know, the second section isn't bragging. It's just saying your facts. I specialize in WordPress. I have experience in these things and I'm a rapper. Yeah, occasional rapper. And a rapper. Uh, The third thing is why I want to work for you. So putting the focus on them and, you know, you straight up state, like, I love your work. You made my school look really well because you guys developed their website. You know, I found your blog helpful. It's awesome. So (laughs) right there, I got mad respect. Bam, putting the focus on them. But then this next section, this is the most important thing I think you should look at in this context. Six reasons I'm a perfect fit. So here is when you start to kind of promote yourself and say why you're a great fit for the job. I'm a pixel perfectionist. And then you give an example. I worked with Thomas. I made sure his website was completely pixel perfect in every single detail. So I'm detail oriented. I care about the client. I coded a crazy algorithm to meet his needs, even though it took me a long time, that kind of thing, you know? So all these things you're going through here, you're stating why you are without a doubt, the best person for the job, you're not being cocky, but you are being confident and you are putting yourself out there because that's what you have to do to look good in comparison to everyone else who's trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah, and there's a fine line between cocky and confident, but I think that a lot of times you can dance around that line as long as you've got a good humor with it and you seem down to earth when you're speaking. Yeah. Then you can can say a few more braggy things but you won't be perceived as quite as braggy if you put in some jokes That's and you're true. down to earth. Yeah, actually, that, that makes me think immediately of somebody who is honestly very self-promotional, but is good at using humor with it, and it's PewDiePie. Yeah? Like, if you watch some of PewDiePie's videos, like, he'll make videos about, like, how he got a 50 million subscriber award, or, you know, here's, I make a zillion dollars, or whatever, but he has enough humor in it where it's like, you can still connect with it. Yeah. And there's just enough, like, sarcasm or snarkiness where just like he's not outright being and i'll just say it a douche you know he's not being like that he's being funny and sarcastic and still stating like the obvious very successful that kind of thing you know so hopefully that's helpful uh and one thing i'll say is like don't put other people down to build yourself up in comparison oh yeah that's a good point no need to get in no need to sling mud to make yourself look better because mud just ends up getting slung back Just state what you can do, state why you're good, talk about why you are a particularly shining example for specific qualities, but you don't need to be like, unlike those other guys who don't sell good vacuums, our vacuums are good. You 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 don't want to bring a lot of negative energy. Yeah, don't do that. You're messing up the... Keep it positive, man. Keep it positive. So, last question before we wrap this shindig up is... uh, Related to how I speak, I think. So the question is... Specifically in your videos. Yeah. So the question is, I was wondering if you could give me some advice on how to communicate more the way that you do. Specifically, I'm very impressed by your fluency, the speed of talking, and your relaxed facial expressions, which I think convey strong feelings of empathy in the people who listen to you. When I sometimes struggle with speaking fluently, and I've I've been told that I also have a very neutral face with very little expressions or emotion showing, which I think hinders my ability to connect with people. So I guess to boil that down, how do you become a better communicator? How do you become more expressive? And how do you refine your ability to speak fluently, the rate of speech, all those good things? The answer is pretty simple. It's it's just deliberate practice. Yep. You know, I will be honest. I used to be really shy 
when I was a kid, um, I used to mumble a ton. I remember oh, really? my, my parents, yeah, my parents would call me Mushmouth. That's kind of crazy because you are doing this podcast at this very moment. I know, right? I can understand your words. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dad called me Mushmouth. He would threaten to put marbles in my mouth to train me to speak correctly. That is a weird. And they would make fun of me. They'd work? be like, I, hey, Thomas, what do you think you want to do when you grow up? Maybe be a sportscaster, maybe be a radio host. That's, that's <laughs> really funny. That's <laughs> Yeah, and then when I would have to speak up at the front of class as a as a kid or in middle school, I was so scared. I, it was the most nerve-wracking thing I could think of to do. And the only reason I I went from that to this is through practice, just a ton of it. And yeah. I listed out, uh, and this is probably not everything, but I listed out my experience with communication ever since high school. So I ran for... BPA state office, which was the Business Professionals of America. I had to give speeches to big rooms of 500 people. I had to campaign. I had to make a poster. <laughs> I just remembered I had to make a poster, like a campaign poster, and I had to stand outside in this convention center with my poster next to me, and it looked really dumb because I thought <laughs> I would be like a fun metaphor. So I like took a picture of myself holding a giant weight over my head, and it was like strong leadership, strong BPA. <laughs> it was like the cringiest thing now that I think of it. But, uh, yeah, it was funny. And, you know, I had to get out of my comfort zone and talk to people about how I would implement change and what I would do to improve BPA, all these things. Uh, I took one high school speech class. I took two speech classes in college. And I actually think that those two speech classes were among the best classes I took in college. What's like the second none. one? There's usually like a main speech. What was yeah. the second? So you took Speechcom 212, yeah. which is the main speech communication class that a lot of people have to take. So I took that and I was like, I want to take it further. So then I took Speechcom 312, which was business communication. Oh. So it was more like giving a business presentation or presenting a business plan, that kind of stuff. And my professor in that class was excellent. He's one of those professors that really left a mark on me. And like he really, I don't know, he made a huge impression. And I could just t tell he cared so much. He wasn't even a full professor. He was like a lecturer, but I don't know. That dude had a lot of passion. And it helped. Uh, let's see here. I did Toastmasters for a little bit. And this is one I'll recommend to anybody. Toastmasters is an organization, international. There's branches all over the place. And it is all about getting better at public speaking. So if you want to be a better public speaker, join Toastmasters. I did two Ignite talks, which are five-minute talks where you have exactly 20 slides. And every slide advances automatically every 15 seconds. So you have to be very well-practiced. But it's only a five-minute talk. So it's not too nerve-wracking to do it's over in five minutes. And those are on YouTube. We can link to them in the show notes. Um, speaking of classes at my school, I did a few like free speech things. 350 podcast episodes. Yep. What are we on? 148 right now? I think so. Yeah. We're yeah. on 148 here. And I think I've done about 200 with Listen Money Matters because we were three times a week for a while. And then probably about 25 more or maybe even more than that as a guest on other people's podcasts. So that's we do half an hour now. We used to do an hour. I've probably done at least 200 solid hours of podcasting. It's yeah. a lot, you know? Yeah, especially you, when we talk about that often, you're going to get good eventually. Exactly. Especially when we talk about, you know, like 20 hours of deliberate practice can increase your ability to do something. 200 hours. Like, what is that going to do? for you and I, I mix it up you know there were monologue episodes where I would just talk to myself basically using an outline 
there were episodes where I was in the car, just totally going freestyle off the top of my head. There's these episodes where I'm co-hosting with you and with Andrew over on Listen Money Matters. And then all those interviews, man. Talk about something that builds your communication ability. Having to speak with somebody who you've never met before on a podcast where you know it is your job to make something entertaining and to guide the conversation. Yeah. That builds your communication ability. A hundred and one videos at this point on my YouTube channel. That is a lot. Mm -hmm. And for every video, I probably have about 60 minutes of raw footage that I edit down to whatever the, the time is. A lot of me screwing up, to be honest. I do live streams where I play video games and answer questions on camera live for YouTube. I've done, I think, six of those at this point. Uh, there's professional speaking at schools. And then going back, my first part-time job at college was working phone support in the IT department. So that was 20 hours a week for a year and a half on the phones, talking to people, having to be empathetic, listen to their questions, and guide them step-by-step step through how to fix computers. There was phone and face-to-face -face communication when I worked at the career services office, scheduling appointments for students to come in and talk to the career advisor. And then there was um, a lot of communication with my residents as a RA in the dorms. That you is know? a lot. So that's my like communications resume. From a mush mouth to a professional YouTuber and podcaster yeah. and speaker. <laughs> it's just a ton of work. That's quite the turnaround. Uh, one thing I should link to, actually, this, this would be good. And this will be a note for you when you're editing. If you go on College Info Geek and you search for my article on, actually, I think this might be in both of them. There's my article on how to become a better public speaker, which you should definitely read if you're interested in this topic. And then there's my article on how to become more confident. And there's videos for both of these. But in the article versions for each one, I link to a video of me in speech class giving a speech that got recorded back in college. And then I compare that to a video of me speaking professionally at a university just this last semester. So you can kind of compare my expression, my fluency, my rate of speech, all that kind of stuff from that old one to the new one. And you can see it is practice. Cool. That's all it is. It's a, that practice is very accessible. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So to give you some quick tips, if you want to get better at speaking fluently, all these things, take a speech class. A lot of people avoid it, but the sooner you do it, the more rewarding it will be, I think. Try joining Toastmasters. There's probably a chapter in your area. Uh, start a podcast. It's actually not that difficult. You can buy a $50 mic and sound like a golden eagle. Yeah, as we, have, we have an episode say. about doing that. So Yeah, we do. We have a start a podcast episode. You, you know, you could do that. And actually starting a podcast is a great idea because it's a way to connect with other people, do interviews, build relationships, but it will make you a better presenter as well. And um, get a job where a, primarily, a primary part of your duties is to either speak on the phone or to have face-to-face -face communication with other people, even email, you know, there's a there's a lot of skill in emailing correctly. I've got friends who are like, hey, how do I write this email to my property manager or to my boss or whatever? It's all practice. So just basically expose yourself to as many opportunities as you possibly can to communicate, and that will push you to communicate better. Yeah, it's going to be scary, but that's life. Yeah. What are you going to do? Do you think this podcast has made you a better communicator? I think yes, it has. Completely. I think a lot of things. Communication seems to be like my primary focus as an adult, it seems. Mm -hmm. Whether it be languages or communication abstractly through computers or this podcast, lots of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and on that note, actually, a tactic that I used uh, several times for some language practice, if you want to practice speaking and see how your facial expressions and stuff are, just record it with your webcam and play it back. Oh, yeah. I yeah, did absolutely. Some, I was doing improv speech topics, but in Spanish, just do them in, your, in English, do them in whatever language you want, mm-hmm. and just watch yourself and be like, oh, I see what I'm doing with my... That's a weird look. I shouldn't be doing that. And then you can pay attention. But also... I once gave a presentation to a French class in French, and if you do that in any foreign language you happen to be learning, it is so much easier to do it in your native language afterward when you're like, thank God I have words again. <laughs> yeah. I know all the words. I have all the best words. All <laughs> the best words. <laughs> everything is easy. So, and that's just a drastic form of challenging yourself. So just put in a bunch of work. Yeah. That's it. Put in work. Put in work, son. Or yeah. daughter, or whatever, or, or, or dog, or washing machine, kin. Maybe you could you're be a dog. dog. How many dogs are listening to this episode? How many dogs want to be great public speakers? <laughs> that reminds me on the book jacket for my book, uh, on the back, it, like it talks about the ten steps to earning awesome grades, and at the bottom it's like, "This book will help you earn better grades, but not if you're a raccoon." Oh, <laughs> I repeat, if you're a raccoon, this book will do nothing for you. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, how did you learn to read anyway? And I sent that to Amazon. Wow. <laughs> so however many people have bought the book, it's on there. <laughs> and I think it's great. Nice. <laughs> I originally put it as placeholder text just so I was like, you know, so I could like, it's like Laura Mipsum. Yeah. So I could you just left get it. the layout of the, of the book jacket correct. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think there's a reason to not have that on there like who honestly well, reads the obviously. whole book jacket the raccoon probably is going to They're yeah gonna be very offended that's by true you. he will be offended i'm sorry maybe rocket, that maybe rocket raccoon i was gonna say that. maybe that's why there's an angry raccoon who's out there like shooting bazookas at people because yeah. i offended him you thought he couldn't read i'm sorry rocket i'm sure you can read otherwise how would you build a bazooka unless yeah. it's just like i don't know bazooka building dna yeah i don't know that could be in there that's a good superpower Bazooka building DNA. I don't even know what that entails. Bazooka DNA boy. I think we can come up with our own list. Totino's Pizza Boy. <laughs> Totino Pizza Boy. Yeah. We can make our own list of the lamest superheroes that don't exist. Yeah. That we just make up. There we go. <laughs> anyway, guys, hopefully you found this episode helpful. And if you want to find the show notes with any of the things that we said we'd link to, you can find them over at CIGpodcast.com slash 148. Also on that page, you'll find a link to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and that is a way to help support this show. So if you're enjoying the show, if it's helpful to you and you want to see it grow, you want to help it out, that is a great way to do it. And thank you if you do. Lastly, you can find our favorite resources for becoming more productive, for learning more efficiently, for getting hired, and even for saving money over at our toolbox of resources, which is over at collegeandboogie.com slash resources. So check that out if you're curious. And other than that, We will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.